Greetings, this is Atma Buddha, and today we've got a special treat. I was invited as a guest on a new podcast show entitled Woke Type Podcast, and the following is this interview. Enjoy. Welcome to the Woke Type Podcast. In this episode, we are talking with Atma Buddha, a self-proclaimed enlightened being that guides us through truth and love. At the same time, shows us how precious individuality is. See you soon. Uh, do you want to start, Brandon? Yes. So, um, I'm Brandon, and uh, I've been doing this mystic thing for, I don't know, like almost three years. I went from hardcore science background, uh, very materialistic, though I wouldn't have called myself such. Uh, but um, now I've definitely fallen down the rabbit hole. So um, I'm excited to be here and uh, learn more about you and, and engage and see what you have to say. Yeah, sweet. Um, I Atma. Uh, I'm Portuguese. I've been, um, in relation to, I guess, we are talking mainly about spirituality. So, uh, my ba background starts, you know, trying to figure what the hell is this about at about 18 years old. And, uh, I started with Buddhism. I, I spent some time in a, in a monastery. And, uh, and then, you know, uh, life happened and I just kept doing my own thing with always, uh, deep interest in, uh, contemplation and Eastern philosophy. And yeah. Cool. Well, my name, my name is Abma Boda and my background is, well, let's see, about th it's been about 30 years actually of, exploring different spiritual paths and it's only been in the last let's see within the last two years that i had a significant breakthrough you might say of crossing over a certain threshold of elimination so it was a big turning point like a, a rebirth and then after that point it was like every moment of every day became blissful and love and and so that's been like what it <clears throat> where I've been the last, oh, let's see, it's been the spring of almost two years ago. And and so now I've just been enjoying the journey from a different level of being like uninterruptible bliss, like every second, 24 hours a day. And so, yeah, that's what I'm about right now. Wow. What, it's interesting when that happens. You You feel the bliss, right? And it's cool. What makes you want to go back out there and and tell other people? Like I feel that way too. Um, <laughs> something about it, it's like, oh, this is awesome, and then something in you wants to share. Yeah, that's a great question, and it's well. First of all, there's different perspectives and understandings of what enlightenment even is, right? I mean, people have different definitions, and so there can be some 
debate in terms of online. Some people might have one perception of what an awakening is or what enlightenment is. And um, the reason why I feel like I need to get a message out there is, is once this happened, I started getting these inspirations every day and I would write them down and it started to become this philosophy whereby I felt like it held a, a key to be able to bring people to this same level, but through knowledge, through philosophy, and not necessarily through disciplined um, yogic practice, right? We're not, we're not, it's not about having all of these rules and joining a monastery and being celibate and eating a vegetarian diet. I mean, all those things are great and you can do those things, but you, but it's not like a prerequisite in order to get to a higher level. And so I felt like that's not something that I'm even seeing out there. In fact, most people talk about love and people aren't really talking about truth and the experience of truth and and about how the mind needs truth as Mm -hmm. opposed to the heart that we're, that the heart is great and it's part of who we are, but, there's another level to each individual called the mind. And, and a lot of people say, Oh, the mind's something we should get rid of. It's the ego. We need to abandon the ego and we should come from the heart. And, you know, the ego gets in the way. And from what I've experienced, you need the mind. You need the mind to be able to focus and latch yourself on the truth where the heart needs love. The mind needs truth. And, and I think that, concept is not even really talked about out there very much. I mean, maybe it is, and I've not seen it, but most people, a lot of people, they don't even know what the experience of love is. So, and so it's, I'm sorry. It, and so coming up and saying, Oh, there's something else called truth. People can say, what do you mean? Truth is an experience. It's not an experience. It's just truth. It's like, no, it's an experience too. It's, so it's hard to, it's hard to convince people of that because it's something that you have to experience. So it's like uh, basically from your own journey, what you've seen, you're feeling like that's what's been missing. You feel are you do you feel like based is that what you're saying that based on what you've seen out there, you feel this is what's missing and you want to bring that you want to bring those those elements to the, the forefront for people. Yes, it's like, how do I say? The mind needs inspiration otherwise it gets depressed and the heart needs love and we need, we have both of these things and it's like two two twin spheres of pleasure that once you're able to open the heart and open up like the crown chakra you can have two extremely intense pleasurable experiences within yourself and yeah i i wish i would hear more people talking about this but i don't so i'm talking about it so if- Okay, I mean you're right. That makes a lot of sense. I I imagine if something happened like that, if I was experiencing that kind of feeling, that I I I think that would be hard to not speak to or about. Mm-hmm. But but also too, it's more than that. It's like once I cross the threshold of elimination, it's like a new personality started to emerge within me. Right, so it's like I didn't have a choice. It's like this is who I am. It's like I have to do this because. There's nothing else that I even have an interest in doing. And it's like I feel inspired by a high level that that's why I'm here, that I 
that's like my mission, right? So I, who am I to argue with being on a mission from God, right? Uh, you talked about, uh, philosophy and, and being the, the, that the main means to give people in terms of, uh, giving them the experience, right? So could, could you, could you outline the, um, the basics of, of, of the philosophy or, or what would you, what would you teach me if I want to learn about, um, your realization? Well, the basic fundamentals is that there's two ultimate primordial forces in the universe and they are love and truth. And most everybody is familiar with love. I mean, that's something that's easier accessible, right? Animals have love. You know, that's why pets are so popular. You got dogs and cats that freely express their enthusiasm and their love for their owners, right? So mm -hmm. that's why they're, they're popular. But on the other end of the spectrum, what animals cannot seem to experience, and that is truth. And truth, from my perspective, is the ultimate source of, of inspiration and knowledge. And in fact, it's a supreme conscious entity. And there's names for this. In Hinduism, they call it Brahman. In Buddhism, I, maybe they call it like Tao or something like that, and, uh, or, or Bodhi mind. And so, and so it, the concept is that it's an independent, supremely aware, super powerful entity that's not about judgment. It's not, you know, a uh, judgmental God like it is from a religious perspective, but it's something, it's like an ultimate force, like kind of like Star Wars to talk about the force. Right. And so it's, it's something there that anybody can tap into and access. And it's, it's not like any mind can own the truth. It's, it's like minds can only swim in it. It's like a sea of, of inspiration that your mind can be immersed in. And once it's there, it, it feels like it has arrived home. Like that's what it's been craving all of its life. At least that's how it is for me. Well, why don't you think animals experience truth? I'm sorry. That was just what stuck out for me. Uh, well, I mean, because um, from my understanding, you need to have a cognitive mind and being able to have reason and some level of discipline. Animals are governed by their instincts for the most part. I mean, there could be exceptions with maybe I don't want, dolphins or something. <laughs> Who knows? But 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 the point humans, is is that they're, I'm sorry what was that? Do you think humans have instincts? Absolutely. Uh, that's um you've got these primal desires, right? You got you got the animal savage within you. And as you evolve as a human, you want to have the mind be over the body, right? And not have the body be control. You don't want this your savage nature to be in control. You want to help master those um, other instincts at least that's what i consider it ideal how about you i when i think about the human being i see um i see the same thing as what i see in animals i what is what are, when i think about human instincts i think that that they i think it would be hard to recognize them because we are human 
Um, and our, our instincts, our instincts influence our thinking, our instincts influence our perspective, our instincts are like, it's, it's all here. And so when I think about the savage nature of man and the more primal, and then I think about the more mental uh, aspects, I think those are just two aspects of the, of the same thing. I, and um, I think animals are the same way. They, they have their own kind of cogniz- cognition that's going on in there. And uh, so I don't know. I think I think I think we're not special. <laughs> like I think from the human perspective, it's oh, I don't know how to say that. <laughs> but oh, oh, okay. Well, let me just interject something. You, you know that movie Dune? Yes. Whereby the guy has to stick his hand in the box, right, and not remove his hand. Well, I don't think any animal is going to be able to endure that test, right. It takes some self-control. It's, it takes overcoming your senses, overcoming your body. And that's something that humans can do, whereby animals, they, 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 they don't think they can do that. So, and, um, and so we have a responsibility as humans, and, and, and animals aren't going to take care of us. We can only take care of, of animals. Animals aren't going to take care of the environment per se. But we can be custodians of the environment. We can make sure the seas aren't overfished. We can make sure the forests aren't completely chopped down. We can make sure species don't become extinct. I just think the the split here for me is that I think humans are animals too. And so absolutely we have the animal part of us, but is there any other animal that could be a custodian of the earth and help other species survive? I think we're just we're no different than any animal here. We just birds can fly, um, fish can swim, and people. Can, can you can tell me one talk. animal that that can take care of another species and make sure it doesn't go extinct? Um, ants keep aphids as uh, pets, like little car. They farm them. They farm the aphids and um, protect them and carry them around. And and actually, it's it's a lot like what we do. It's kind of cool. Ants, aphids are one thing, but it's like, you know, humans are like the only species whereby anywhere in the world, any species, whether it be an invertebrate or an insect or a bird or a reptile or, or whatever, any any of them, we have access to help them, all of them. And there's no other animal that has that access to every animal that we do, right? Right. I agree with that. We are in a interesting situation so that's one way that we're special right so basically there is no metacognition in that we can attest to in other uh life forms right yeah i mean animals can't read and write right so can we take this back because i'm really interested to to um the teaching part or of your philosophy you mentioned truth and the art is that right? The truth and love as and the love. Two primordial forces of the of the universe. Yeah, and the, and go ahead. Yeah, I guess my question is, um, your realization, what happened, is that these two forces were realized within yourself. Is that right? Well, basically. Most of my life, I recognized that there was something missing that my mind 
was not fully, um, how do I say? There was like this barrier that I was trying to cross over and it was frustrating, mm-hmm. a, bit, a bit frustrating. It was like seeking, yes, right? Seeking for something. You can say that, but I hesitate to use the word seeking because, you know, in, in order to experience the infinite requires infinite patience. So it's like you're seeking, but you're not desiring. You're, it's like you're not trying to say you're incomplete. You're mm-hmm. actually being stubborn and you're saying you're complete. Like that hand gesture, Chen Mudra, is about I am complete. I'm complete. So that's being stubborn that you are complete. And so that's an important aspect to it. But but yeah, most of my life is that I had felt like there was something missing that my mind was not fully connected to something. And I didn't even know what that was. Mm. And until that, finally, that moment, I just to explain what happened, I which was sitting on a chair. I just was focusing my mind to a pinpoint. I wasn't using any special spiritual technique or meditative technique. I was just quieting the mind, focusing it to a pinpoint. And then I was focusing on my breath, keeping my back straight and focusing on the corners of the breath, which is between the breaths, between the inhale and the exhale, having a slight pause there and vice versa after the exhale, between the inhale and exhale and exhale and inhale. There's a, Mm -hmm. those are called corners of the breath. And you can have these pregnant pauses in these corners of the breath, which are, which can be very powerful. You can get bliss and ecstasy just in those corners too. But, but by doing that, what I experienced was the crown the drips coming like Amrita net, uh, nectar, like hot oil dripping on, on my head and then became into a faster. Mm-hmm. And then it, it was like starting to like pour like a waterfall of, of bliss and ecstasy. Is that a, a, a visual yeah. uh, experience or just felt? Uh, it it was less of, it of a visual experience. It was more of like, you know, being injected with an intense. <laughs> if I were to compare it by uh, to anything, it would. It, it's like m- more pleasurable than any drug that I've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. And in my younger days, I did experiment with various things. So, yeah, I this is superior to any other high that that you can purchase if it was a high it would be like you know sold out everywhere for sure if someone came to you interested in knowing uh, uh what can i do how can i do it would you teach some kind of meditation some kind of uh, specific practice well i don't regard a and this is where it gets a bit controversial because i don't regard a method as being necessarily the answer to becoming enlightened. I don't think it has as much to do with what method that you use. And it more has to do with what philosophy that you incorporate. People are limited by mostly their self-limiting beliefs. And it, once you can remove those limitations, you can become, you can have an unlimited mind and that can be in turn much more receptive to these these higher experiences, number one. And number two, a lot about these higher experiences have less to do with technique and more to do with your past and your history and the fact that you could have had prior lives to this one whereby you may have attained certain levels of mastery and you've forgotten it maybe. And so being born into a new body you can remember 
have come to that place of remembrance where where you can regain the past levels of spiritual attainment that you've had before. That's my understanding. So, because I can't say in this lifetime that I was particularly a saint. I think it's by virtue of who I was in maybe a prior lifetime or lifetimes that made it, you know, easier for me to to get to this place. So we don't have really choice in the matter, uh, right? There's there's no no practice, no no ultimate teaching that you know can lead you to a certain state. Well, I believe that there. Why I I more than believe. In fact, I don't, I don't even like using the word belief. I what I experience to be true is that there is an ultimate philosophy that can get you to that place of enlightenment faster mm. and that it basically the ultimate philosophy what that means in, in a summary i'll give you a quick summar, summarization of what that is your heart unconditional love your mind wants inspiration you can get to a place of inspiration through this one living truth or you whether you call it the force or absolute truth or brahman and that can come down and it can inspire you and energize you. And once your mind is, has crossed that threshold that you get what's called an impenetrable mind, which means that your mind no longer experiences doubt or fear or anxiety. In fact, you become incapable of those things mentally. And it's about mastering desire. And in fact, that's a whole other concept because without mastering desire, you can't master any of these other things like fear, doubt, worry, anxiety, anger, any of the vices. And so, and it, 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 it frees you up. So if you master desire, you can do anything you want and you not feel desire. When you say master, do you mean that you're in control of the desires? How do you mean by mastery? Well, I mean, well, when your mind is full of bliss and your heart is full of love, it's like you don't have room to desire anything because you already feel so complete and you already feel so amazing that you don't feel like you need any of these external things in order to make you happy, right? You, you, you can still be amused by these external things and you can enjoy yourself with various activities, but you don't need them. To, to feel complete. So you don't desire them because that, that's what desire is. Desire just means you have an attachment to something external and you're not going to be feel happier incomplete without the object of your desire. Whereas when you feel love, you don't have that sense of incomplete incompletion. So I notice a lot for your, it sounds like with your philosophy, a lot of it is, is, is it grounded in the bliss? So this blissful feeling, these good feelings, is that the is that the point? Or would you say that's the goal to the enlightenment? How does how is the bliss factoring in here? Is that that state of bliss that you're experiencing? How does that factor in to enlightenment? Is well, as I, I hear what you're saying, and there is some controversy again because some schools of thought claim some Buddhist in particular schools of thought tend to be a bit more nihilistic and are about, you know, ego death and, and 
coming from a place of renouncing all experience, renouncing your individuality, renouncing your pleasurable experiences and, and keep going deeper and deeper. But from my perspective, in order to attain enlightenment, you have to acknowledge that there's a higher power. And so there's some conflict there between these two different philosophies and, and, and that other philosophy of ego death, they tend to be more collectivistic and less about the individual. And I believe it, from my experience, you need to be an individual first in order to be enlightened. You can't be possessed by some sort of ideology. You need to be independent. And the ultimate independence is when you can experience happiness and bliss and not have that interrupted by anyone. Like someone can't just say something to you and then you're offended. That's interrupting your inner experience. And that's a form of weakness. It's like when you have thin skin, that's like a form of, of weakness. Whereas if you are stronger and, and when you have a correct philosophy, you have that inner strength naturally, otherwise known as, as fortitude and equanimity of mind. Yeah, um, I'm trying to put all the pieces together. So I'm listening and it makes me want to ask you where it most makes me want to ask you, where does love come from? This love is where where is that in relation to yourself? Well, the, you, there's something called the chakra system, and I know it's kind of misunderstood. And I, I, but there is some truth to these chakras. You have the heart chakra, which is the seat of love and that's where love ideally is experienced is in the heart and in in the mind you have the crown chakra which is the source of ultimate truth absolute truth brahman and so th these places in your body do correlate to these specific energies and, and some people confuse love and truth or think they're the same thing but love is actually a lower frequency vibration than truth. And the crown chakra is a higher frequency. It's the highest uh, that you can experience as a human anyway. And they each have two very distinct experiences. It's like if you feel inspired, that's a mental thing. If you feel love, that's a hard thing. The only reason I'm asking the why the reason I was asking where the love is coming from is because it just how I'm trying to understand how you're gonna how is your philosophy getting you to it because I don't is it how are you how do you how do you accessing it where is it at is where I'm trying to get to get it at are things inspiring love are you are you made out of it is it like where where is this love at and how are you how are you getting did you tap into it. Has it been there the whole time? Um, are you, is it something you're discovering and, and getting towards, or is it, are you coming back to? Like I'm trying to understand where you are in relationship to it because um, before you are enlightened, that is not the experience, and then so something shifts. So I just want to I want to understand by your way that you're seeing it. Where where is that? Where are you in relationship to the the love? Okay. Well, let me explain the love by going back in time, like 30 years ago for me, all right, when I was maybe 19 years old, I didn't really experience, I didn't even know what love was when I was 19. 
it's like I, I, I never felt it from my family. I never even knew what love was. And it wasn't until I was, in fact, maybe it was early 2021 or something, I met an, an enlightened master at one point. And within moments of being in his presence, my, my heart opened up with love. And I had been trying to open up my heart for some time. It was only, I guess, by virtue of being in the presence of, of somebody else who had already been there that it helped to open my heart. But he, he's no longer, I don't have the same relationship with him anymore. Uh, but he was very instru- instrumental for that part of my journey of, of opening up the heart. And another book that was very inspiring to me that helped with that too was called Huna, a Beginner's Guide by Enid Hoffman. And it's a very interesting concept of, it's a Hawaiian mysticism where they teach you have three selves. You've got a lower self, a middle self, and a higher self. And the middle self is like your conscious mind. And the lower self is like your subconscious. And the higher self is like your superconscious. And how this kahuna huna mysticism of Hawaii teaches it is that you, the lower self is like your baby, uh, the child within that takes everything that you say literally. And so if you say, oh, I'm stupid, I, you know, even if you're, saying it consciously, but you don't really mean it, that there's a part of you that takes all of that consciously. And so how they deal with it in the system is you name your lower self as a secret name that only you know. And then you build yourself up by saying, by telling the lower self that if you say anything, that if you accidentally say something bad about yourself, you're not talking to the lower self within. And so you shouldn't take anything personal if if I have a negative thought, it's not directed towards you. But on the on the converse side, every day it's like you give affirmations to that uh, lower self using the secret name and say, if you hear the secret name, then that means I am talking to you. And so you can say, oh, you're wonderful, you are amazing, and so you start to do that. And what happens? What happened for me is when I was practicing this, that's when I started to feel a glowing sensation in my heart, and. And it was like, oh, wow, this is something new. I didn't have this experience before. Okay. Well, wait, let me, let me reframe because I'm, let me bring it back. So let me re, re ask this. If you, if you are talking to someone or so like you, the, with you and your master between when, before you hadn't felt love in his presence and then in his presence, you, you were able to feel this love, you, your heart open. Mm hmm. Between you two, where did that love come from? Do you feel like he is he has it and he's beaming it out and then you're receiving it? So that's how it's felt. Where where was your access point to this in his presence as I'm trying to understand? Okay, let's just I'll describe the scene for you. So I was okay. I I was with someone in Canada, in Vancouver, Canada, we were at this hotel. I saw this poster that said such and such guru is going to be there for Darshan at such and such time. And I thought, oh, I never met a so-called guru before. Uh, I'll go check it out. But I had already done mantra meditation at the time. At the time, I think I was doing Om Namah Shivaya. And again, this was quite some time ago. So I went into the woods and, and did a meditation, mantra meditation for like a good hour 
to quiet the mind and get to a certain place of elevation. And then that's when I did the darshan. And when I walked in, it's like I felt this energy in the room that was very intense. And then I sat down and opened my eyes and he looked at me and he uh, gestured for me to straighten up my back. And I did. And that was when like my heart just exploded with this, with this uh, energy of love. And that was, it's like, it was always, always there. But my theory is that there are, how do I say there's, there's a, forces at work that try to keep people's love down, right? So that they make it diff- more difficult for you to experience your own heart. Mm. So you do, so you feel it was always there. And then through the your meeting, you were able, he was able to help you become aware of it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so that, so he helped to be to open up the heart. Yeah. But, but in terms of the other inspiration with the crown, that's completely independent of any external teacher. So is your philosophy about opening the heart space? Is that what you're trying to help people do? Well, that's part of it, but it's not the end goal. It's like, it's, it's like the beginning, really. I mean, you got to have an open heart. I mean, that's like part of being human. It's like animals have hearts. It's like people, people are disconnected with their own hearts. But um, to me, heart is not everything because you still have a mind. And it's not about being mindless, formless, and killing off your ego. No, the mind is, is sacred also. It's, it's, you have to, in order to be fully to experience fully your potential, you need your mind. I, I totally agree with you on that. I've written several posts about how the ego is not your enemy. Um, and if you fight it, you're just fighting yourself. Um, I want to go back one more time because I really agree with you about this love. I think love is an interesting part to hone in on because it's just interesting. A lot of people don't know what love is or where it comes from, I think. Um, at least I can say in my own experience, like you said, in your life, I had a very similar. I didn't know. I don't think I had. Oh, I mean, I did, but I don't think I really understood until it hit me. Then you're like, oh, okay, now this is it. You know, this has to be it, right? Um, and I think that any philosophy that's going to help needs to really know where that is, where that access point is, what, or where where it's coming from in that dynamic, because it's going to be important when you're trying to guide people to it you need to know where where it is and where it's coming from well i mean love is everywhere it's in all the animals i think even in plants i mean love is everywhere it's when we become more present and we are not trapped in our minds that's what the problem is is people get trapped in their minds and that's how i was when i was younger it's like society trains you or, or conditions you to come from your mind but what is the concept of falling in love? If you think about it, what is that? That's falling from your mind into your heart. Mm-hmm. And so that's the important thing to understand is that we are more than our mind. It's like, instead of saying, oh, we're not our mind and say, oh, yes, we are our mind, but we're more than our mind. We're all, we also have bodies. We also have hearts, you know, and I recognize that the best that's in me is the best that's in you. 
and that's in the heart. And also this um, higher inspiration is something that everyone can experience too. That's beautiful. Uh, can you tell us what you are doing uh, nowadays to help get this message across? I know you, you, you create some content, right? Can you tell us about that? Yeah. At divinity.com. I've owned that domain name for a long time. I think it was like since 1994 or, wow. or, or, or whenever they first started selling domain names. That's Have you got I, any offer for the domain? I've got some offers, but I mean, I, I wasn't considering selling it unless I got like at least six figures or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got, you know, lower offers than that, but. Sorry to sidetrack that. I, I was just curious. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I've done more recently these podcasts. I think there's like 57 of them online and I've got a YouTube channel with like where these podcasts have been converted into videos, about 57 mm -hmm. of them. And you can find those links from divinity.com. And I've not been posting the last several days. I've been taking a bit of a break from doing that, but and, um, I'm happy to answer any, if you guys have any other questions you want to ask me or. Or whatever. I, I've not been keeping track of the time. We should be almost done unless Brandon uh, wants to ask you something. No, I feel I feel like that was that was good. Um, I feel like we were winding down there. <laughs> well, I can add something that um, something that I was inspired with earlier today. Sure. Is um, these three words? Don't believe. Receive. Hmm. I like that. Because I, I know that there's a lot of skepticism out there and there's a lot of good reason for skepticism, right? I mean, there's, there's some bad teachers, there's some gurus, there's some people out there that maybe there's some knowledge out there that is question <laughs> that I have issue with. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that the surest way to make sure that you are attuning yourself with something that's real and helpful for you is not to let yourself blindly believe in something but instead try to have an adaptive open fluid mind and recognize that the universe has something for you that is beyond your expectations and you can't even conceptualize in your mind the magnitude of how amazing this potential is and the best thing to do in my opinion is to just quiet your mind and to receive and accept the gift that the universe wants to give to you and, and to not believe anyone like don't believe me, don't believe any teacher, but experience it yourself and, 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 and trust in the, in your individual experience. That sounds uh, pretty good advice. Yeah. 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 Like that old saying, know thyself. Mm -hmm. and, and people nowadays are so, I say that many people are so thin-skinned, so easily offended, and they want to impress people, and they want the approval and the validation of others. And mm -hmm. and a lot of people they believe people's opinion of them more of of themselves, other people's opinion of themselves more than they believe in their own opinion of themselves. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. And so. And, and, and what I, what I understand to be true is that no one is an authority over who you are, but you. Okay. Exactly. And no matter, 
no matter what they say about you, only you can know the truth about who you are. That's my favorite. I, I think any anybody out there that's trying to help anyone or teach, if your message ultimately isn't pointing to back at the person, if it is not empowering them, uh, then it's 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 missing the point, man. So yeah, love that, love that. Mm-hmm. And be very wary of teachings that try to say how insignificant you are, or how you're not important, or how you're like a speck in of cosmic dust compared to the universe. It's like, no, (laughs) don't try to make yourself smaller. Don't try to have a more limited, smaller perception of yourself. That's not going to be helpful. What's helpful is to have an expanded perception of yourself. That's the gateway to unlimitlessness. I mean, you can argue that there's two ways to unlimitlessness by being nothing because technically nothing isn't limiting Mm. or being everything. Yeah. Well, I, I prefer the path of being everything. In fact, in fact, better than being everything is being the best in everything. And that's a, that's a very important distinction because if you are everything, you are the good and the bad. Whereas if you are the best of everything, then you are transmuting and purifying with your, in yourself only the very, very best because the ultimate, the highest truth is in everything, but it's the the best of everything. And that's an important distinction. And, and maybe that takes some time to really fully. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Atma, really, for being so fast to accept my invitation and coming here, despite all the, um, uh, the um, our time difference, right? Yeah, thank you. All right. All right. Great. Sure. And if you guys have any questions about anything, you're more than free to message me. And in, in fact, if anybody listening to this one, you know, divinity.com, you've got links also to Reddit and to. Yeah. I'll put your links up on, on description of the podcast. Yeah. Awesome. And you guys are awesome. You guys are more awesome than you think. Well, thank you. But, <laughs> thank you. That's so the much. beautiful thing is like you're Santa Claus. It's like everybody's more awesome than they think. It's like, <laughs> It's like you have that secret present for everyone you meet. It's like seeing the best in, in everybody. That's how you inspire people. That's, wouldn't it be great if the whole world was like that? That's what I want to see happen.